Bueno, ¿qué pasó anoche? Ok, no es lo que esperaba, pero tenía el nivel perfecto de picante. Suena interesante y caliente. Tenía todo el sabor. Los Ghost Pepper Wings de Popeyes son tan deliciosos. Espera, yo pensé que hablábamos de tu cita. A veces las cosas no son lo que parecen. Pruebo hoy los Ghost Pepper Wings de Popeyes por 5 dólares, que tienen el nivel perfecto de sabor y picante. Por tiempo limitado en restaurantes participantes de Estados Unidos. Precio puede variar. Impuestos extra. I feel like you can pack so much flavor with a lot of uh, spices or Asian ingredients into these sort of recipes because, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'd, I love to, to cook with vegetables because I think there's so much flavor within them and you can, and you can pack a load of flavor into these, into these recipes and sustainability. Woo. The Naughty Bites podcast. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Naughty Bites. Today I'm joined by the colourful chef, Philippa Armitage. She's known for serving up on account of her sweet and sour and crazy flavourful life. She recently launched Tate's Kitchen and has revealed a unique, beautifully creative and ceaselessly imaginative menu. She's a chef, a restauranteur of pop-up kitchens, recently published author called Taste Kitchen Asia, combining recipes inspired by her travels with six flavors to suit every taste. If you're interested in finding out more, you know what to do. Welcome, Chef Philly. How are you today? <laughs> I want me to sound sexy, but it's my hay fever. <laughs> Did it really work? <laughs> um, I'm doing really well. Uh, I've got a day off from the kitchen, so... Um... I'm at home and I'm catching up on emails, but it's really good. Um, yeah, having a bit but of a relaxing look, day. <laughs> but you look glamorous. I heard you did 90 hours and you still look amazing. So. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so. I, had, I had a nice sleep yesterday, so um, all good. don't know if I sound amazing, but, you know. You know what? I think both fine. of us sound similar. So it's like the husky voice today. So um, husky, sexy. I'm thinking friends and Phoebe. So it works really well. Look out my smelly cat. Look <laughs> at the smelly cat. No, that song's, yeah, that song's um, interesting. <laughs> so I have to ask, well, I did a lot of research on you and I came across a lot of cheeky photographs. Um, ones where you're like indulging into like oozy purple donuts. So mm-hmm. as you know, my podcast <laughs> is called Naughty Bites. What's your favourite guilty pleasure? Oh my gosh, I've got loads. <laughs> I can't wait. Tell me them all. <laughs> um, like, as a child, I grew up on Lucky Charms and I'm obsessed with them. They're amazing. I've got a massive, massive sweet tooth. Um, I grew up in America and whenever I go to America, I have it for like breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> I'll go okay. through the box and like, they're amazing. <laughs> Um, also like any sort of sweets in bags. I, I believe you're meant to grow out of it. Um, I have them. <laughs> so I like literally down a bag of Haribo, um, the little candy kittens I'm obsessed with, um, uh, nerds, like American sweets, everything with any artificial coloring. I absolutely <laughs> love, uh, <laughs> anything really oh bad for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, but then also like uh we've got I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure as much I'm quite proud of it but I really love like great burgers great pizza we've got an amazing pizzeria near us in Fulham oh, and they do Neapolitan pizzas 
and they fly everything in from Italy and it's just it's so phenomenal the pizza um and then also like the burgers in London are just phenomenal like Bleecker Burger Tommy's Burger Joint there's amazing like really um uh quite niche burger joints that are happening and I absolutely love them fried chicken I love I have I've served it twice in MasterChef I've got it in the <laughs> restaurant I've got my own fried chicken box oh yeah God. <laughs> so anything American it's like American diner food like um, not even like because my chicken is like Korean fried chicken so it's just like unhealthy food I love it's amazing because <laughs> like you know when you said like old school sweets you know Amazon does um nostalgia sweets so I've actually got a yeah. home with me nerds did like dip dab um refreshers the curly whirly like literally oh, yeah. I was just like love that getting my belly literally I love stuff like that but then but then like I do miss having a good burger like you know but oh, just God. Like it's so starch, good. Like good flavors of starch, and I love it. No, it's but like, it's like they're quite to make an amazing burger. It's a real fine art and fried chicken. It's like it takes because like a lot of chefs now are like myself are putting it on like uh, more diet, more a la carte sort of menus. And like I've even been in Michelin star restaurants and they whip out their fried chicken, and it takes a lot of science and art to actually perfect it. Um, so I really like don't say that these restaurants aren't artists because they're they're really great at what they do. And uh-huh. like the science of making the burger, there's Bleeker Burger have worked with Aubrey Allen, who are an amazing butcher, into the actual science and how they actually create the perfect fat ratio with the perfect flavor, and then how they smash it with their own like developed uh patty smasher. But yeah, I think it's such an art and there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it so I have to ask because I saw on Instagram that you did an experiment with prawns with bicarbonate mm, and yeah. bicarbonate can you tell me more about that again that's science and yeah of course so bicarbonate of soda or sodium bicarbonate or baking soda in America um is very alkaline. So uh, we use a lot of acids in cooking, like vinegars, lemon juices, whatnot. And uh, baking soda is uh, one of our alkaline ingredients. Um, the alkalinity actually affects ingredients in a lot of, of produce in a lot of ways that we don't really know. Well, we that as home cooks, you don't really know. But for example, it breaks down cellulose in um, vegetables really, really easily. So if you add a little bit to your boiling pot and put your broccoli in, it's going to cook in a lot shorter time to make it green, but then softer. So you're not never going to end up with a brown broccoli mush. Um, also, they use it a lot in Chinese cooking. So if you, I don't know if you've heard of the term velveting with chicken. Okay. It's like... Uh, they, they use it to velvet chicken. So you'll um, cut the chicken in a certain way across the grains um, to make it super, super tender. And this is how you get, like, when you get your Chinese takeaway and it's, like, really, really juicy, um, tender meat, That that's the reason. So they cut it in a certain way. Then they put baking powder and then they put, like, corn flour within the marinade and then they cook it in a high heat on a wok. And that's, like, velveting term. Um, so for prawns, um, it's, a, I did a test side by side. Um, I'm a development chef and I read about it and I was like, oh, okay, let's test this out. Do, like, do the control, 
zero baking powder, let's do a baking powder prawn. And I just marinated it in a bit of bake, like a little sprinkle of baking powder for about 20 minutes. And the difference was actually phenomenal. Um, the prawn that wasn't in baking powder was a bit more chewy. You could feel the tendons in the mouth. Um, and it looked dramatically different. Whereas the baking powder prawn, um, it, it was like more tender, but like there was more of a bite to it as well, a lot more juicy. And the color was extremely different as well. So that's why we marinate our prawns in a little bit of baking powder before cooking. For those of you listening, you've got to try this out because I know how Yeah, like have a little baking powder, just, uh, yeah, at the side. I love prawns. So you're an acclaimed chef with a passion for big flavours. You are, you are. With a passion for big flavours. What started you on that journey? Um, My flavour journey, um, I mean, I... I first got introduced by two like more umami flavors and more flavors within my first apprenticeship, I guess. So I was, to, I was working at the Ramsey group um, after uni. So I studied chemistry and a master in chemistry. And then um, against my mother's wishes, went to the Ramsey group and became a chef. <laughs> I'm an Indian mother and I don't think she wanted me to be a chef. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, no, it's really but uh, <laughs> originally when I was uh, yeah um she just wanted the best for me um but no when I, I first became a chef I worked for the Ramsey group and I first got introduced to the different flavors and that's why uh kind of started my journey and like I, I'm kind of like showed me about the six different flavors and that's what I've, I've written my book about but uh, I got introduced to acids, to sweetness, to learn how to taste. And that's what I'm really encouraging chefs and home cooks to do and balance flavor. But it was not until my second restaurant that I kind of got introduced to more Asian ingredients and more um, Asian flavors. And with that came a lot of umami because that was like more misos, kombus, soy sauces, that sort of stuff that would give me that next flavor profile um and that's that's what really heightened my senses and also what I absolutely loved about it I'm a bit of a lazy chef and you get a lot more flavor in ingredients in sauces if you add these ingredients to it and uh, it's like it's almost like flavor hacks it's more bang for your buck and you it's like uh hacks where you can like add more flavor in a shorter amount of time Oh, that's amazing. And is that, is that been used in your book as well, that sort of technique? 100%. So uh, the book is called Taste Kitchen Asia. It's all about understanding your flavor profile. So for example, I might like, I've got a massive sweet tooth. I might like the sweet dishes. Um, however, you might like more acidic or herby flavors or spicy food. You said you love spice, so you might yeah. like spicy food. So the book is split into six different chapters. Um, one is sweet and it's called Kiddush. Then it's got Spice Master, which is you, your Spice Master. <laughs> um, 
it's got comfort which is more of a feeling so it's all about uh food that wants to hug you from the inside it's like food when you're hung over and you want to just like wrap up in a cold blanket <laughs> um, then there's tarty which has got a little bit of acid um and it's got some like really beautiful salads ceviches um pickles that sort of stuff um then there's refined which i absolutely love it's got loads of herby flavors it's got a pork glob so like a, a pork salad with loads and loads of herbs in there um and then there is finally a dark horse which is our secret flavor that we all are secretly addicted to there's like loads of mushrooms um misos um there's an amazing um shiitake uh there's an amazing shiitake ramen in there, which is so, so, so good. Um, but yeah, so then within each of each of these recipes, adaptability is really at the heart of the recipes. And I want you to adapt each of the recipes to your own palate. So, and home cooks do not taste enough as they eat, as they cook. So mm. I want you to be able to taste as you go. Um, <clears throat> what I find a lot, with the difference between restaurant cooking and home cooking is there's not a spoon pot next to where you're cooking. So you're not tasting. You'd be like, okay, does it need a bit more salt? Does it need a bit more of this? Um, when I say in the recipe, there's a point where I say taste and adjust. At that point, you will taste your sauce or whatever you're making and you will be guided to a flavor wheel and you will be able to amend each of the recipes to your palate to bring up or down each of the ingredients to amend it to you I'm quite excited about that because when you said about the spoon um we do have like I have different spoons for like rices or salts and stuff yeah outside of my like hob because I have to taste but when you mentioned the flavor wheel I thought of my son because for some bizarre reason it's 18 months but when I open my spice jars he's attracted to the spicier, bold flavours. So <laughs> it's really bizarre. I'm like, you're 18 months, how do you know? But then the other day, he just buries his face. Like he loves salsas and dips. He just literally just dips his entire head into the little pot. Yeah. And he's just covered in like baba ganoush or hummus or whatever oh. it is. And I'm like, you're only 18 months, but you know what you like. So your book for me is a good way of adapting the dish for his yeah. flavor profile so that we can all eat it because yeah, yeah. he loves bold flavor. You know, 18 months is like... That's crazy. Like, yeah. I've, developed, I've developed baby food before and like toddler meals. And uh, yeah, the, the actual spice is the last flavor palette that you develop um, mm. because obviously it is... So I don't... So spice is... It's, it's not on your trigeminal system. So your mm-hmm. trigeminal system is uh, your system that uh, feels pain. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think all sorts now. <laughs> so it's like the system that, uh, what is it? It's benign ma- narcissists. That <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't drink, then you would have seen like the world come out. <laughs> um, where it can be linked to this it's not like completely yeah. obviously but um it, it seems to be like people that actually enjoy pain like wow. spice um <laughs> but then the opposite to, <laughs> Adesiac thing as well now I'm thinking of all sorts <laughs> but 
it's like um, if the opposite to, to spice can be obviously casein, so the milk, so that that reduces the spice, so it um, takes up the spice. But then also um, mint, so that is the opposite to spice as well. So like if you, so that's why when you do like a mint raita, yeah, the opposites your uh, vindaloo. <laughs> no, definitely, it's true because I, when I was vegetarian for a couple of years, my grandma would always make me have like chas like the like tart acidic soury yogurt yeah. drink and also just give me like the sweet lusty but without the mango to like complement with mint and stuff to complement yeah everything I couldn't tolerate but but it, it works it, it does work so, um, so. so I, can't Actually, wait. I think the book's gonna be great for you um, I'm excited I need to order it because well, I want to order it for little man um the over half the, are you still vegetarian oh no 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 okay. I got converted when I came back to Spain so it was like <laughs> <laughs> well over half the recipes are veggie and veg- and vegan just because I feel like you can pack so much flavour mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, spices or Asian ingredients into these sort of recipes because uh, yeah I don't I I'd l- I love to, t- to cook with vegetables because I think there's so much flavour within them and you can and you can pack a load of flavour into these into these recipes Absolutely. and sustainability. Woo. Oh, that's, that's I'm going to need you onto that in a bit as well. So I can't wait. So, <laughs> so your passion is Asian street food, and you spent a lot of time working and researching in Asia um, to find unique recipes that would appeal to the Western palate as well. This research you've already mentioned that's already applied to your latest book. Um, I know you've explained the six flavors, like the six taste profiles, but what is what was your concept about that? Because it's a very unique approach to writing a book. But for a lot of, like, is it your science background that you've applied to it? You said the chemistry. Like, what was your story behind it? Because it's very, it's a really cool profile to work on. Thanks so much. No, it's uh, it is. It is a bit different. Um, I'd, I'd say there's a bit of uh, scientific brain behind that. Um, however, I would definitely say it's more my dyslexic brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm very think, I think out of the box. Um, and yeah, I'm super creative in that sort of way. But I'll, I'll not think like a lot of people, like differently, which is it's fine. But then I come up with some weird concepts to be like okay let's how do I visualize flavor and that's really like how do I depict flavor because I don't I hate reading which is why I've written a book so like I hate reading but I, I'm very visual I'm a very visual learner and um that's why I kind of wanted to depict flavor and I was like okay how do I depict it how do I show it in like a 2D representation of that and that's how I kind of came up with the flavor wheel um and yeah there was lots of iterations from it um to where we are today um but throughout the book I've got like video so there's little QR codes that you can scan and so it's super interactive I see that just because like I don't learn through reading. I know, I know the majority of people do, and that's absolutely fine. But for me, I don't, and I didn't want to produce a book that um, I wouldn't be able to learn from. So I wanted to make it um, accessible for a lot of people. 
Um, so yeah, so there's little QR codes in it and you can um, scan them. And for any of the like harder skills, for example, like um, making a um, making on papillot for a fish. So like covering a fish in a little bit of paper, a little bit yeah. difficult. Or you could do like how to make, how to fold dumplings. Yeah, it's really hard to show that in words or like write that in words. So then I've got like a little lo- a series of photos. But then I've also got a video so you can like go on the video and be like, okay, let's actually do this together because so I don't understand how to do that. <laughs> well, that's amazing because like you said, like I love, sometimes I, I love a good book. However, some books make me fall asleep. So I can read the first few chapters and then I just switch off. Yeah. Learning, I struggled. Like at university, I struggled to read so many books because it was just, I didn't learn that way. And for me to learn was just doing loads of exams, just exams, exams, exams through practice. Um, So your your concept of your book is different. Yeah. Interactiveness. You're there, but you're not there. Your learning techniques, because sometimes when you're trying to explain yeah. the process, it gets too it's too it's jargon for so many people, and then you're like, okay, I've given up. Like, but to show something yeah. in a step by step, it's just way more personal. It, it adds that personal touch. Hundred percent. Like, I I actually didn't discover that I was dyslexic until I was twenty two. So I used to listen to everything from the teacher or the lecturer or whatnot, um, and that's how I read now. Because like I have Audible and I just like read. And now I like read at like twice the speed. But before, I uh, if you if you put a piece of text in front of me, it will take me twice as long as you to read. But uh, yeah, like everyone learns differently, and I I like to be um, inclusive for everyone. Neuro- well, it's, it's, that's really good because many books don't do that, and you manage to apply that in various aspects of visual yeah. and color and. Uh, it's it's amazing so yeah it's very colorful so within the colors it's all like each of the chapters within the book is split into a different color and it's very visually colorful um so I've been looking at research well I asked uh, Charles Spence who's an amazing professor um Oxford Uni he looks into the psychology of flavor and I was reading some of his papers and it's it's just mind-blowing and he's been looking uh, I asked him about the psychology of how flavor and color interacts and how we actually perceive color and I mean I would say that lime green if you think of lime green what flavor do you what do you what flavor do you think of do you know when I think of lime green I'm thinking of that Solero ice popsicles Okay, yeah. So then that would be acidic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you were to think of like a a red or an orange, what would you think of? Heat. Yeah, exactly. So then you you know that subconsciously. And that's how I've kind of looked at it in the book. So we had, so my prop stylist did an amazing job of finding all these different colored props. And we would... um, each of the shots are very visually colourful and it all, like, links up. Oh, oh no, I'm so excited. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking of, like, you know when you get those food, like, you know, the food chopping boards of, like, blue for fish and red for meat? Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, 
all those little things as well. I'm like, was there, yeah. was there an idea behind that as well? Like, you know, blues for fish and red yeah. for meat and... Ah. Well, yeah. I, I know, no, definitely. So you loved your... As you can tell from what you've said, and I can tell, you love brainstorming without any limit and you dig deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, a lot of nowadays restaurant but your books has a lot of vegan and vegetarian recipes but restaurants now are focused on more plants and edible plants um mm-hmm. including plant-based proteins such as potato milk i've never had potato milk <laughs> i'm gonna ask you that question have you ever tried well you haven't tried it but have you used anything plant-based that's different and new in your in your book or even in your cooking um within the book uh, I'd say not so much because I want to make it super accessible for home cooks and I want you to be able to cook and pick up things from the supermarket. I, I, it's very accessible. Um, the restaurant, um, it's all food from the book. <laughs> so all the recipes from the restaurant are in the book. So when you come to the restaurant, you can actually taste the book, which is quite fun. I mean, I've jazzed up a little because it is restaurant food. Yeah. Um, I've put some more fluff on it and like I've made it very fancy and nice. But it, it's at its core, it is food from the book and it's nothing more than that. Um, any interesting ingredients? I mean, uh, I've I've made tofu before. Do you know how to make tofu? No, I can make paneer, but I've never made tofu. Okay. It's a bit weird. Right. So, okay. Um, so, it's the way to make tofu. Or have you had a yuba? No. Okay. okay. This is amazing. <laughs> this is like lesson one hundred and one. <laughs> so, tofu milk is uh, is used to make tofu. As uh, soy milk is used to make tofu, so you need to like fresh soy milk. You can get it in a lot of um, in Chinatown in London. You can get it. Or you can make your own. It's a little bit hard to make. You've got to soak the soybeans and then like blend it, that kind of thing, um, and then pass it. But you you can't use the pasteurized stuff. It's like kind of making cheese with pasteurized milk. It doesn't like it doesn't work. <laughs> um, but if you get the soft fresh stuff, then you kind of it's super easy. You just kind of add, add a bit of coagulant to it. Um, there's a few different ones you can use. However, the ones that I've used, if you go into Boots, okay, there's bath salts that are food grade, and okay. you add a tiny, tiny bit to it, and it's got the acid in it to actually um, acidify the, oh, the wow. soy milk, and it sets it, so you get like fresh um, tofu. Um, Yuba, you can get from the soup, from uh, like specialist shops. Okay. And it's like, have you seen like milk skin? Yes. Right. So like okay. when you like leave the, the hob on with some milk in it, you get that milk skin and it like peels yeah. off. Same thing with to- soy milk. So you'll get a skin okay. and um, it's like this weird, well, it's like a, a soy milk skin. Um, mm-hmm. I really love it. Um, some people find it a little bit more challenging. Uh, we went to a two Michelin star restaurant in Spain called Mogoritz. And they had it on the menu. I loved it. It's a very challenging menu. Um, they play with something that tastes disgusting, but is delicious. Uh, we made something out of something delicious. And then something that is, dis- 
is delicious, but is made out of something disgusting. I really <laughs> love it, but like my boyfriend didn't like it at all. But then I nearly gagged and threw off at this meal, but like it's fine. Oh That's something God. else. It was real popular. <laughs> but don't put that in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, so uh, the Yuba is uh, a, a so, soy milk skin and then they dry it. What I found to, I like it about, what I like about Yuba is when I uh, deep fry it and then it makes these super, super delicious little crisps and they like just uh, disappear in your mouth and they're high in protein. Okay, wait, wait, you make your own tofu you make these Yuba crisps. Like, your chemistry is really into your food, like, in who you are. It's, like, impregnated yeah. into you. Like, wow, wow, wow. Like, you're you're blowing my mind, but I'm like, why didn't I continue with food science? I'm like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, science is at the heart of cooking, I'd say. Like, it is. to be, to be I've, I've peppered the book with the science of cooking um but it's only the bits that you need to know or like some little information that you need to know to be a better home cook it's I've not geeked out completely about it because I don't think you want it and need it and it's going to be overwhelming it's very very simple stuff it's like the way to use salt properly and uh to make everyone a better like season better and be a better cook at home um it's very very simple um techniques or additions or a uh, little bits of information that you can actually add to your cooking but it's amazing because you're giving the home cook that extra bit of confidence on how to do stuff at home that's the plan, that's oh, the plan. Yay. <laughs> like, yeah. so, so like you've answered quite a few of my questions which I love it's amazing it's amazing because I've learned so much and I'm thinking yes. wow like you are you have blown my mind at the moment it's like that you know that moment in Ratatouille where Remy's feeding his brother and he's like now try the cheese with the strawberry and how the little the little swirls and the little fireworks going off that's how my head's working right now you know what I've never seen Ratatouille <gasps> I went to a food festival the other week and I was on stage with, uh, do you know Chris Tavin? Yes. <laughs> so he was like, oh yeah, when you watch Rat- when in Ratatouille and I'm like, I love yeah. Disney movies and I haven't seen it and I'm like, oh. and he was like, you homework, you need to watch that. I said, I haven't watched that. I think I'm going to watch it today. You should because it's, it's good humour. Like just have a like, popcorn <laughs> and just watch. It's amazing. Like I do love watching it. Um, we'll be giggling so you'll, you'll know what I mean when I think of the little fireworks going off flavor combination and that's how my head is running right now so like so I've never one been I've never been one for looking back but I do believe your experience helped focus your channel or focus and channel your energy towards your goal but what has 2022 been like for you so far like because did you write your book during lockdown? Like, did it give you that time to focus on now? No. Okay. So 2022 has been, it's been intense. Um, I wrote my book. I started writing my book uh, September 2021. Okay. finished it in December. Wait, wait. You wrote it? Okay, wait, wait. Stop, stop. You started in September last year? yeah yeah it was Um, like well that was just the recipe part 
So that was like, they gave me a super tight turnaround. Um, and I wanted to push, I wanted to get it out because I knew, I knew the, I had the recipe pattern kind of ready done. <laughs> it was just testing the recipes, but then also I'm a chef and a massive hard worker. So when I want to work, when, when the project's on, I'll get up. I think I was getting up at like, well, I was starting at like 6am and finishing at like midnight sort of thing. Um, and I don't have days off. So <laughs> I am a massive like workaholic. Got it. <laughs> Okay, but when you do break, you do party hard, right? Yeah, when I break, I break. Okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> so like, I'll go through. I'll go through bits where I'm not. For example, I'm working six days a week, and I'm working every day, and it's all. And um, I'm getting up early. I'm going to bed late, and I'm literally working. But then, when it gets to November, I think I'm going away for two weeks, and then. Uh, December, I'm away for four weeks. I mean, I'll be working away, but I'm away. <laughs> so like, like I, I go through it's kind of nice being a freelancer because you get to like, well, and not having my own restaurant. So uh, I get to like work and I work really hard and then I like break and I break really hard. <laughs> but yeah, so like 2021. End of 2021 was intense. And then I went to Mexico for Christmas, which was an amazing trip. The food in Mexico is phenomenal. Um, got really inspired by that sort of food. The flavors and the spices out there, the chilies out there is insane. Um, and then as soon as I got back, I got COVID while I was out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> as soon as I got back in, in January, it went straight into the photo shoot. Okay. So the photo shoots, uh I did the food styling for it um it was a full-on two weeks of photo shoot um that was as soon as in January so it, I was working every day the photographers and the prop stylists were coming over we actually shot it in the flat oh, <laughs> in the back room you know the room that you we originally yeah. started in that's where we shot it <laughs> oh my goodness right I need to bring you to Spain because there's this village restaurant it's in the mountains and all you see are like waterfalls and valleys it's stunning and it's like literally five minutes off the road from where I live yeah um, I need to bring you here but they had this Argentinian chef because in Granada you've got lot because it's Spain you've got lots of Latin American people that live here as well but what I found was in the city spice is not a thing like Spanish yeah. spice, right but what I found was in all the restaurants in the villages they use spice and they do like different cuts of Iberian pork fillet. So you have it seared on the outside and it's cooked on a barbecue and it's like red in the middle. That's how I like it. I like it. I, mean, I love all the color gradients. But they serve it with this Argentinian salsa using their chilies. And the guy grows it. I can't even buy it. I can't even buy his chilies and I want it because the chilies... You need to get a chili plant. I know, I know. But, um, yeah, I don't grow vegetables. They die. <laughs> so like, because they're so hot I need to water all the time and I'm like oh we'll have a garden one day I'll do it but this guy the chili with the meat you're gonna die it's so amazing really I'll have to take you back okay I'll come because we, we get our I'm obsessed with Iberian pork um oh my god then Granada's amazing like, Secreto is just oh. my jam um we we go we've got a very nice butcher near us and that, that's what I mean about like eating meat when you can but what uh eating better quality meat because yeah. not only is 
bad for the environment. Yeah. Um, True. Yeah. Meat, meat should be a luxury, and um, we we eat meat, but do whatever you can afford. Like no yeah. one should go hungry for it. No, but. <laughs> At the same time, uh, we're quite lucky and we live next to a really lovely butcher um, and they have a secreto and I go there and we do like vegan's choice and we get like ex-dairy cow. Um, <laughs> it's quite, it's so good and we have it on a barbecue and it's like, it's called vegan's choice because it's like all meat. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got our own trees that are, we've just started gardening. Um we live on a top floor flat, um, and so we've got a little garden. It's like a a, a green wall sort of thing, but we've got our own chili plants. But they, a load of them died in the heat wave. Um, all my edible flowers and stuff, but the chilies are still alive. So as soon yeah. as we get them, we're going to ferment them, and we make fermented hot sauce. Oh, there's a, a fermented hot sauce. So. Um, going so off track. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why. But yeah, no, like. Um, yeah, you've got to come because you've got to try the chili and the meat coming up to Mexico. Right. So, yeah, you will love it. On the menu at um, the restaurant, there's uh, my fried chicken. And, I saw the uh, amazing, it was, right? I mean, yeah, like it was like takeaway but gourmet. Like the whole style yeah. of it, awesome. So I, ba- well, my friend actually designed it, but it's like kind of a riff off um, KFC. So it's uh, it's meant to be like it's meant to take the piss a little bit. Um, <laughs> But but within the box, it's got chicken that's been marinated in koji. Do you know what koji is? Yes. Okay. So koji is, um, so chicken's been marinated in, within the box, there's chicken that's been marinated in koji. So koji is a rice grain that is uh, fermented. And it's actually the, like, precursor to um, sake and miso. And it's used in a lot of fermented products. So when you add it to your chicken, it actually denatures a lot of the tendons and the muscle fibers within the chicken. So it makes it super, super tender. Um, then it's marin- and it's marinated in buttermilk as well. So it retains a lot of the juice and whatnot. And then it's double fried like a Korean sort of style. And then we've got six, three different sauces. So we've got katsu mayo with cashews on top. Um, so that's like chill, low heat, just indulgent, comforting. That's comfort one. Then there's the kiddish one which is a little bit sweeter it's got korean barbecue sauce so like a classic gochujang glaze but with honey and butter so it's kind of like a, a mix between um an american buff- buffalo sauce and a korean barbecue sauce so super super delicious then the one that i think you'll like i get scotch bonnets and bird's eye chilies ferment them with um uh, tomatoes and like cherry tomatoes so a little bit sweeter but then ferment them for a while so it gets quite acidic then um, make it into a hot sauce with carrots and not um, carrots so they're like super fruity but like it's it's punching and it's spicy my mouth is watering <laughs> literally really I can't wait can you tell me it looks amazing yeah no no when I saw it I was like because I want to try the octopus yeah, and the monkfish. Well, I've got a list of things I want to try because I saw people posting and sharing, it and I was like, "Damn, that looks incredible!" Like, yeah, it's been such a success. It's been amazing. So, I've got some questions to ask you about your your uh, monkfish and your octopus. I love stuff like that. So, um, you worked in Michelin starred kitchens with the Gordon Ramsay Group. What was the experience like for you, and did you have any mentorship when you worked there? 
Um, yeah, I mean, going into the kitchens straight off the bat is intense. Like the Ramsey group is hard. Um, it's yeah, but it's a massive growing plat- like there was a lot of growth there and you learn the learning curve is huge yeah. and I'm so grateful that it is because I got to learn a little bit of a secret I've only done two years in professional kitchens yeah it was, it was I did my apprenticeship and then I, I left to be a development chef so I designed ready meal for Tesco um, I, I then worked in other kitchens like off and on, but like honestly, like those two years was like a huge grounding and like my base of all my kitchen experience. So like learning about like produce, um, how to cook, cook like like as a as a real foundation was amazing. And then the whole like uh, concepts of ki- being in kitchens and kitchen mentality that that's all come um through the Gordon Ramsay group and I still use that today I think it's like it's it's a great platform to learn through that's awesome but like your kitchens I you've learned a lot but from your experience there you've just gone on to so many different yeah it's like a spider you have the main body and all the little legs going out and that's what you've done it's you've gone yeah. into so many different I think like yeah, I think I never wanted to be a chef chef. I never wanted like that sort of thing. I, I, I'm always creative and within the lower level restaurants, you're not you're never able to create because you're that's the job of your head chef and for good reason because the head chef has done many years and they understand what's what's got the plate and how it works and everything behind it. As a young chef, I had like I had all these ideas going on, and I was like, "Okay, I want to do this," and I wasn't able to do that. So then that's what drove me to go into development chefing, um, and that's kind of what I, I always wanted to do. Like I, um, I went to this. Re- the reason I became a chef, I went to the restaurant Long Clume in the Lake District, and I I got invited. It was like the first like fancy restaurant that I'd been to, and my dad took me. Uh, I was still at uni and. Then they invite, I was like, I'm studying chemistry. And they were like, okay, come to a development kitchen. Met this development chef called Chet. He's an amazing chef. He's got a restaurant called BB in London now. It's unbelievable. Um, and the lab looked like my chemistry lab, but he got to eat everything that he was researching. And I was like, I want to do your job. <laughs> and that's what I've done, yeah. And like, yeah, so now I, after after designing ready meals for Tesco, which doesn't sound sexy, but that's what taught me all about Indian cooking. My mum had not that much of an influence on that. I <laughs> 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 uh, love her to bits, but no, mother, uh, yeah. she She's very impatient in the cook- in the kitchen. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, like... Really when like like Indian mother, I never cooked with my mum because again they have no patience because they cook to get it done as opposed to teaching you. Um, so then I was all sent off to like my grandmothers or this aunts to learn to cook, and that was my summer holidays. And I'm like, this sucks. Like, um, so my mum didn't no. even cook. We got uh, MLS takeaway. MLS oh, I love that. <laughs> I'd rather have that. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, it was good. I love an MLS takeaway, uh, ready meal. But um, yeah, we she she would make the chapatis and the dolls and whatnot and the rice, and then we would get takeaway. 
Um, but I didn't learn about Indian cuisine or Indian spices until um, I was developing Ready Mills Tesco. We'd get like masterclasses by this amazing woman called Ren Patel. She was so wow. cool. And we would taste the spices individually and taste wow. how they actually interacted. And that's where I learned about how like coriander, ground coriander affects cumin and then the base spices and the high notes and how it all interacts. And that's where my love of like... Um, my actual knowledge of Indian cooking came from. Oh, that's amazing. Like, I haven't done that stuff since my placement year, like, of university. And it was amazing, absolutely amazing. But it wasn't yeah. a cabin year I wanted to go into, but it was really good because I got to learn about Chinese food with the NPD chef. And I was like, yeah, it was amazing. Like, it was so, an experience. So you have spent a lot of time researching and travelling around Asia. Which place is it for you where you feel like you've reconnected and rediscover yourself and get that whole place of like zen mm. the place that inspired me the most i'd say um the place that I, i'm itching to get back to is probably xian in North, like china um it's the food is phenomenal there there's Muslim Chinese food that I'd never heard of before I was in China. I didn't even know that was like a culture mm-hmm. or a cuisine. Um, step into Xi'an, which is like uh, this old ancient city. And it, they've got this area within it called the Muslim Quarter. And the people there are like street traders that are making food. Um, like uh, alamanu so like they're making food to order they're spinning noodles they're uh, skewering lamb like carving it off lamb off the side of the road and like it's like hanging up it's like so fresh Um, so good uh the dumplings are insane like they've got chinese bao um and murgers have you heard of a murger no tell me what that is that's like a chinese hamburger it's called a jirao mao I think something like that. Um, it's like chopped up meat within like a little pitta. So the reason that you've got this like Muslim Chinese, uh, you've got well the the reason the beauty there's beauty or I love the Muslim Chinese food so much is because you've got it's it's on the spice road. So you've got okay. flavors of cumin, but then you've got flavors of chili and you've got Szechuan there. And <sighs> it all comes together. And then they just pile that onto lamb and stuff. And you've got these skewers and you like bite them off and the lamb like pops in your mouth. And it's like, oh, oh my goodness. And then the Biang Biang noodles. Have you heard of those? Yes, but. So they've got the Biang Biang noodles in and uh, that's where it's kind of done. So these, these wide felt noodles. I love a chewy wide noodle. Um, they roll it out and then press it with a little chopstick and then slap them on a bench and that's oh where goodness. the name of Biang Biang comes from it comes from the slapping sound so and then they pull it drop it into water and then serve with like some meat some oh, sesame so paste good. and chili oils and phenomenal have you ever been inspired to create your own range of condiments oh my god I'd love to create my own range of condiments when you come yes um I've got, my chili, I've got my Philly's chili oil on the table and so many guests have been like you should tell this because yeah, it's like <laughs> because it's really I, hard to get really good condiments yeah I mean to be honest there's a lot um there's a lot of good condiments out there 
Um, but I think my chili oil is pretty special. I mean, maybe it's just me, but um, it's not like a traditional chili oil. I put tomato paste in it, which I would, like anyone would be like, oh my God, what are you doing? But it's got like loads of umami in there as well. And oh, then the sweetness, umami, chili, there's nuttiness from the sesame. Um, and then I've got loads of cinnamon and star anise going through it as well. Oh, so oh God, I can't wait. Um, but I would absolutely love it because I've developed so many products for supermarkets and actually putting my own product, like I know behind the scenes, it's my net. I, I've developed yeah. it. But actually putting my own product on the shelf, I'd be like, really amazing. Because for me, it'd be so amazing because I think an opportunity to have sources, many sources and things like that, because they've got GMO, like GMO ingredients or not suitable for celiacs or they have MSG in. If you do go down the line of creating your own condiments, please, please, please make it like, if you can. Yeah, because I can't have so many sauces because it's got wheat in it. And I'm like, oh, sorry, Carlos. Like, I have to like skip that. Oh, no. <laughs> but it would be really, it's really difficult like to get, because it adds some texture. So sometimes it's really difficult. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like for the chili oil, for example, to make it gluten free, I use tamari instead of soy and yeah. the tahini soy sauce. So, like, there are like alternatives. Um, I'd say with, a lot of um, Asian sauce or like Chinese sauces with a lot of soy in there. So that automatically makes it gluten-y. No. <laughs> I'm like, I need gochujang, yeah, there's gluten. So, uh, yeah. Okay. But, okay, so um, congratulations on your new Taste Kitchen. Your first week for you has been crazy, but... How are you feeling today? Like, do you feel like week one's done and then you've achieved something amazing? Yeah. Well, by the time people are going to be hearing this, it's going to be week four. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, week four, week five. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, it's going to be week four, week five, but there'll be like three weeks left. And I mean, I feel confident by the end of week one. So by week four or five, I feel like everything's You'll going to be gliding. super yeah. chill. I can come in at 12 being... <laughs> everyone is raving about two dishes in particular i've been doing my research on instagram the go-to miso funk fish and your octopus what is your secret with those two dishes i know they're in your cookbook but what is your secret touch that you're doing because everyone's like this is incredible and the colors like even yeah. the plate you're serving them on everything just complements each other it's like a family yeah. it's it's I'd say, I, I always say I need to get sponsored by Gotcha Chang because... <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Honestly, it's my favourite ingredient um, and I use it everywhere. The Miso, the miso Gotcha Chang, uh, Chang monkfish. So the, the, God, the monkfish is marinated in Gotcha Chang and Miso. Um, the Miso is like, if you've had uh, Miso marinated, mackerel or black cod or anything like that it draws out the natural umami of the fish so it's that the kojis and the fermented product that draws that out makes it super tender super juicy um and then flaky as well um that's what i'm going with monkfish um i love monkfish it's my favorite fish i'd say it's like so meaty so juicy and so tender love it um and 
there's also a lot of gochujang in the um, <laughs> in yeah. the octopus. So yeah, I think my secret to my cooking is if you get a tub of gochujang, you'll, you'll be laughing. Um, grab okay. that now. I will yeah. grab that. But I it's got good that. in it, so. It's all right. I, I can make it for myself. <laughs> you can look when you can't touch. It's fine. <laughs> but, oh, okay. I'll, I'll I know, there might be a gluten-free version. Have a look. But, oh, it just looks amazing. And everyone's been saying those two dishes are yeah. really spectacular. And then we're making our own kimchi. So made our own kimchi, ferment that. Um, I love a bit of fermented, um, yeah, products. Um, we've got like loads of pickles, loads of uh, kimchi, fermented hot sauces, and then the sauces. I love a split sauce, like um, so, like uh, it's a miso beurre blanc. So it's miso yuzu beurre blanc, um, and then split with a chili oil. And the upgrade from the book, so it's a a miso gochujang cod in the book with it's just got some pak choy and uh, the sauce. So it's very similar to the book. So you, all the recipe is in the book, but then it's in the restaurant and just leveled up slightly, but like pretty chill about that. The kimchi recipe is in the book as well. So you could add that in. So it's all it's all very there. Um, so yeah. So my last question is, cooking is an art and you've exhaustively researched your book. You're a chef. And you've got your own collection of essential knowledge, which has come through in this podcast with your science and your flavor and, and everything. But what does that mean to you? Because, you know, you studied chemistry, you, you, you learned as an apprentice, but you've adapted your own style. Now you are like, you know, people are coming to your restaurant because of you and the, create, and the many you've created. How are you feeling about it? Because it's such an accomplishment from where you started and what you're doing now. Yeah, it's pretty mad. Um, feel very humble and thankful to everyone that has supported me in the journey. Like um, everyone who follows me on Instagram, to anyone who comes to the restaurant. And I literally go out to see everyone just because I'm just like, oh, plus I'm just so thankful for everyone to be there. And um, yeah, it's amazing to actually be in this position and yes MasterChef gave me a little bit of a platform which is yeah. great I mean I worked my bum off for MasterChef and uh, yeah I got there but no honestly for people that are still continuing to follow me and and support me and be there and cook and want to try my food I'm just so grateful for so but thank you great. everyone <laughs> no, it's good because, like, I know you were on MasterChef for the professionals and that would have been good for you to be against other professional chefs like and now you've got your own like pop-up kitchen for like the next two months and yeah you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're kicking butt literally nice, so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly it's been absolutely wonderful having you today on my podcast cool. and it's been lovely getting to know you and, you know, learning about your story in the food industry. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for having me.